Grog. Hey guys, and welcome to the Sideship Podcast. It's me, Peter Fickling, with Kerry Warbis and Matthew Weir. This week, I think it's just going to be me and Kerry listening to about 40 minutes of Matthew sort of doing an almost kind of Homerian ode to his first true love, Fallon Rogers. But before we listen to Matthew talk chapter and verse about the lovely Fallon, we're going to listen to a trailer from our new friend Susie Riddell about her podcast, Limited Time Only. Do you struggle with self-promotion? And your specialist subject is? I wouldn't call myself a specialist. Selling myself short. Are you conflicted about the role social media plays in your life? I go on, I scroll through and then I'll see something and it triggers something within me. Like Even if it's a sponsored advert that says, have you written your will? And I'm like, oh, I didn't want to contemplate my own death. I just wanted to look at somebody's photographs. And it's, it's that kind of... <laughs> Thing. Are you excited about getting older? I'm also looking forward to senior citizens discount. Oh my goodness, I'm going to rinse that. Or absolutely terrified. So you're scared of purgatory. Yes, I am. <laughs> scared of purgatory. Well, let's get existential. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever have pop stars camping out in your subconscious? Most nights, or at least once a week, I would have Wired for Sound by Cliff Richard going on my head. And he was on roller skates. You've got Cliff Richard roller skating around your brain at all times. A fun fairs, not as much fun as they used to be. After the initial, oh my goodness, this is incredibly high and fast, and oh, what fun, the nausea set in. And uh, it's exactly 17 hours since I went on that ride, and I still feel sick. <gasps> if you answered yes to any of these questions, thank goodness it's not just us. Limited Time Only is the podcast for anyone who feels there aren't enough hours in their life. In each episode, through a mix of chat, comedy sketches and interviews with interesting people, we dissect the human condition, just using a rubber chicken rather than a scalpel. I'm Esther. And I'm Susie. And, and this, this is Limited, Limited Time, Time Only. Starts on Thursday the 17th of June. Available on all major podcast apps. And at www.limitedtimeonlypodcast.com Join the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Limited Time Only Podcast. Or on Twitter at Limited Time Pod. Limited Time Only. A pick me up in podcast form. I'm not getting paid for this, you know. Well, it's going to be great having Susie Riddell with us. How exciting for her to be launching into new ventures. And she's coming onto our pod on the 24th of June. So don't forget to send us in any questions that you've got for her. The bit about senior citizens bus fares spoke to me because I remember the first time my dad got on a bus and the bus driver told him, he, he asked him his age and he said, you don't need to be paying anymore. And my dad got so offended. And then within about 30 seconds, he's like, no, actually, I like that. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a strange thing with that. So that's a, a sort of commonality with my dad. He sort of he's both mm. massively in love with being an old man and also profoundly offended by it. It's going to be, if you do want to um, ask Susie any questions, um, then it's hello at thesidershed.com. But also, we are going to be um, posting some adverts um, over the next couple of weeks onto our Twitter feed, onto our Facebook page. So please do spread the word and also maybe think of some, think of some people outside of um, our little echo chamber who might, who might want to hear from us. Um, I've managed to create a new listener for both the Archers and our podcast in Oregon. So hello, Lisa. Ah. So that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, I've done, I've done my bit is what I'm saying. I found out, hi, Lisa. I found out that my boss's dad listens to our podcast and knows that I'm on Twitter. That's funny, isn't it? And you still have a job, Kerry. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My boss mentioned my name and he went, oh, I know her from Twitter. And I listened to her podcast. It was, <laughs> Kerry, um, my dad told me that they staged an intervention on your podcast last week <laughs> to do with your propensity for all night drinking. I know, not very work appropriate. Anyway, I'm going to the pub with my boss tomorrow to watch the football, so I don't think he, oh, might, he doesn't so mind, really. <laughs> yes. you'll, get a, you'll get a nice big chunk of um, blackmail material. Well, mm. anyway, that might be the last you hear from me and Kerry for the whole podcast, because I think Matthew's now going to, um, you know, do his thing, do his Fallon. Well, I don't know if I can do a full Fallon. I mean, what is there to say about her? She has huge depths of human understanding. She was quite, she was very tough love with Alice. I wondered when all what of you were going to say then. 
but obviously <laughs> there are reasons why she was like that of you know um alice making a move for her man but she really came through this week i thought in fact i was so um taken with her re-emergence on the on the show that i put out a tweet that was just fallon love heart emoji face and put that's the tweet and joanna van campen liked it and then i went for a very long lie down in a dark room to recover <laughs> how did you explain to your missus the you know the fact that you were sort of swirling around the front room clutching the your phone to your chest in a gingham dress kind of making sort of deep <laughs> sighing noises i was more nervous that harrison was going to come around and nick me for interfering <laughs> in police matters <laughs> Yeah, you were very thrilled about that, weren't you, Matthew? And quite rightly so. You know, I th- you know, I, I think she's a very likable character, but this mm-hmm. this week in particular, just her, you know, in the, I, I did like the callback they did, where sort of uh, Brian was apologising and you know mm-hmm. for his sort of poor behaviour to her in the past, mm-hmm. but it, it it did remind you just how much she's had to put up with from these idiots over the last month and how sort of um, sort of restrained and polite she's been in the face of some quite obnoxious behaviour. Mm. Yeah. And and the beautiful thing, the, the best part this uh, week was her saying, I don't want to take sides. And, you know, me being your friend, Chris, doesn't mean I can't be Alice's friend. Uh, and it really brought it home, didn't it? How everyone is camping on one side or the other. Are they Joanna van camping? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually very good. <laughs> good night, everyone. Good night. Yeah, you, you don't have to mention her in every sentence. Yeah. That, to, to be honest, Matthew, that made all the technical problems we had getting on there worthwhile. That one pun, the <laughs> the forty minutes of "Can you hear me? Is this plugged in?" Isn't it? You know, all of it was paid paid for. And with that one, that one joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, years and years ago, I I had a very um, what's the opposite of acrimonious? Very sort of like civil mm-hmm. split with someone who I, a girlfriend who a, a partner who I'd been with for a very long time, and. And it was just miraculous. It was really revelatory how much people wanted to take sides, even though no one was asking them to. Mm. And I've never kind of, I've never forgotten that. So, you know, when, when a friend splits up, I'm always at pains to sort of reach out to both parts and say, look, you know, I'm not going to be taking sides. Thank you very much. Yeah. I think it depends what's happened, doesn't it? (laughs) In the split, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's doesn't need to be the default mode, does it? No, I mean, you can have an, I've, amicable isn't it opposite of acrimonious i think yes, we could thank say you, yeah. but it's it's um yeah i've had splits that were less than amicable but we had mutual friends there were situations sometimes where people came came to me and said sorry but like gotta go with the other side <laughs> you know i think curb your enthusiasm touched on this and then uh, you know and i just never had any desire to kind of pull people to one side or the other i just thought they would go where they want mm. and but there there was there were elements you know at times of people saying like you're either on my side or you're on their side and i you know she was very good to say like you know it's going to be she doesn't want team chris team alice or the the i hate alice club she mentioned didn't she that they were going to have over nachos yeah. um and she was very keen to avoid all of that which i thought was um that was very good of her, you know, considering the the initial thing with Harrison, of course, she was going to be angry as hell about that. But, mm. um, yeah, she she she, uh, she did she, well. She just keep keeps saying to people she's ill, doesn't she? Which is great. Not too many people are saying that. And her explanation to Chris. It's weird that he hasn't learned from his own experiences. He's seen how um, Alice can be both charming and duplicitous you know, in the same hour, even in the same minute. So, you know, it, it seems weird that he needed to have Fallon to explain this to him. Like, yeah. I know, it, I know it's all, I know it's a drama. I mean, you know, God, we're going to do this dance again, are we? <laughs> no, I did. I did. Yeah. And I, I did like the fact that that whole, you know, ah, that's why you refused the godparent thing. You know, he didn't have to have that spelled out to him, Brian. Mm. Like he was able to, to spot that. But um, what did we think of the night out at the, oh, the um, which one? The one at the the Mexican, I presume it was a Mexican restaurant, wasn't it? They yeah. served nachos because Chris was just shouting very, very loudly that they do nachos over. Yeah, really terrible music. Um, I know the name of that band that was playing in the, it was Os Brujos de, no, Os Ojos de Brujo, I think is the band. They're a Spanish oh. band. It translates as Witch Eyes, the name of that band. So whether that was meant for what, Alice, I don't know. As in W-H-I-C-H? 
as in witch on a broomstick. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of prog rock brand from Bedford or something in the nineteen <laughs> sort of early seventies. Like creme brulee, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, there. I like the way you know it fell apart. Emma arrived. She obviously she was coming straight from a Paris council meeting, which always puts you in a good mood. And then when they were driving home and they pulled up into that lay-by, I thought there was going to, something terrible was going to happen. Mm. When Fallon was like, stop the car, I thought it was because they saw Alice like streaking yeah. down the hard shoulder or something. And then they had that moment, which I thought was quite warming, where Harrison was like, let's go get a, you know, you, so you don't want to go home then, so we'll get, we'll get a chippy tea. We'll go and watch some rubbish TV on the sofa. And I, the only thing I thought was missing was someone went, should we tell Emma? <laughs> They're like, no, God, no. <laughs> That was quite sweet, really, wasn't it? Chris went very weird, didn't he? And they still, they didn't just dump him back home. They carried on giving him a little bit of a break. He's He was super sensitive. I mean, they chose the restaurant where he'd been for um, Alice's 30th birthday, of course. So that, that set him off, didn't it? That, that There was that night out. And then there was the fox at Edgeley, wasn't there, with um, poor old Fallon. Yeah, so she'd done double duty that week. Yeah, I mean, and 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 also like the with the um, going back. Sorry, very briefly going back to the, the evening with Chris. They kind of the, the the second act of kindness where they invited him back to the, to the house was almost the greater one because they'd already done the good stuff. Like they they could have easily gone home and said, "Well, we tried our best." Mm. They had all you know. They could have easily gone back, turned on Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, big a big bar of Tony's chocolate and you know had a very nice <laughs> hour at home but no they they you know they doubled down on their friendship but but you know Fallon was tripling down because that evening with Alice was unspeakably grim oh god I know Alice like go on um what she she said something awful like um happy times or something didn't she like um yeah happy days have another pinot and poor old Fallon's like no a lime and soda I am driving yeah, there was an interesting balance there, wasn't it? I, I got the impression they were day... Bad expression, that they were day drinking, that they went out during the day, but I don't know if it was an evening or not. No, because uh, Brian said, you're preparing supper, and she went, I can't, I'm uh, going out. Yeah. And Je yeah, Jennifer right. had left a recipe and ingredients. Bloody artichokes <laughs> again. <laughs> not just like a packet of fish fingers or something. It's like, I've left a recipe <laughs> and some ingredients all laid out for you. Fallon almost became like a proxy for us this week. I mean, I, it's so, it was such a grim week. The last week I found pretty hard going as well. Um, I, you know, I, maybe, maybe the sort of Alice signing the piece of paper is our kind of, our, our, you know, maybe her going to rehab is our chance to kind of escape from this mm. ongoing hell. But I felt like, you know, we were dragged along with it. We had to go to the awful pub with um, Fallon. Then we had to go to the, to the, you know, noisy nachos place and and suffer that. Mm -hmm. like we were there all the way. Now, when it's you know, when it's a little kind of um, when we're sort of around the Grundy table, listening to all the chaos there and a bit of like you know wild shenanigans, it's a privilege. It feels great, but this is it's just too much. Yeah, not not only were we dragged with her wherever she went, we were dragged with Jenny wherever she went oh. around Ambridge, talking to anyone she could grab hold of. To, to talk about addiction jenny's magical mystery tour of misery yeah weren't jenny wasn't jenny jennifer and fallon were in every episode i felt like i was hearing them constantly all the way through it even in just little bursts i don't think jennifer was in tuesdays but i, I get your and, point yeah. it felt that way didn't it and they're definitely they're doing that thing they're still doing it and i've mentioned it many times before where they're where they're always doing kind of parallel experiences so you have you know fallon and jenny of you know, fundamentally doing the same thing they're both busying around trying to deal with alice's problems and one of them is you know has their eyes open and is dealing with it in a kind of empathetic way and the other one is kind of like you know fumbling around in the dark and mm -hmm. sort, of, sort of but you know with the best intentions possible I don't know. I just don't. They just don't have enough time in the week to do it that way at the moment. Uh, I know I can sometimes get a bit nerdy about the script writing process, but I just, I just think they've got to be a little bit less thorough with some of this stuff and just hurry through it a bit more because it's just mm. other. Because you know, and again, I'm repeating myself. I tune in for Jim and uh, uh, Robert Schnell arguing about bird spotting. That's my jam. That's what I. That's my favourite type of the archers. I can't be doing with this. Could we not hear about Alice's progress, sort of third hand, like with a conversation in the shop or something? Yeah. Jim, Jim, you know why? Why? Why wouldn't Jim be telling Robert about the experience at the shop? 
and then you can fill in some details. You know, mm. why why can't it be sort of stitched in? We don't always have to hear the. I mean, they did kind of take a week off Alice a little bit last week, with the, mm. except for the zinger at the end. But we know where she yeah. slammed Brian. But and you know, and it's not, and it's always, you've always got to draw the distinction between criticizing the amount of exposure to it and mm-hmm. the t- criticism of the actors or the script writers, because I'm not blaming the script writers. It's just, you know, they're, they're given this, they're given this plot and they have to roll it out and then the mm-hmm. actors have to do their job. So it's not necessarily, a, and it's not even necessarily a criticism of story editors. It's just like, maybe they need to have a little pause and think about it's what, what it's like for us listeners as loyal fans. Yeah. We could have had Fallon and Harrison swimming chatting about the disastrous night before at the nacho place that we didn't have to go to and then um peggy uh, jennifer and brian just talking about the fact they've booked her into rehab (laughs) and the rest of it could have just been you know joy so breaking news um this podcast is is going to change tack completely we're now going to be workshopping a new radio serial that kerry's going to be writing about (laughs) families living on the Brighton waterfront and the um you know the hijinks and shenanigans they get up to down there where you experience everything third hand you never actually are part of any um, interaction that was that was called the monologues wasn't it <laughs> yeah shit yeah you're careful right, what you wish for one thing i thought that was interesting was it was it jennifer i know we're getting round to this aren't we but jennifer um talking to peggy saying i think it was to peggy saying that it was alice's giving birth to Martha under those conditions that um, brought, all, brought all of this out in her again. And I was like, well, it didn't, did it? It's only the fact that she's become a mother that's exposed it. Yeah. So Jennifer is still not quite, she's on, you know, she is there, but it's this idea that, well, it must have been exacerbated by this giving birth in the back of Jim's Riley. And I was like, no, it's it's been exposed because now she has a baby and Chris yeah. is super protective of that yeah i, I noticed that yeah because she said that I, I think the difficult birth reignited the drinking and she did acknowledge that the drinking has been present for years but the, the thing that i picked up on that was she seems to believe that alice was not drinking during pregnancy so has, has she still not been told that is she still not aware that martha might be damaged by well the, the... peggy floodgates have opened now haven't they so i think it's uh mm. i think it'll all any any um salacious detail that was being held back is going to come out yeah if she um, listens yeah exactly well i mean i thought the what did you think of the conversation between um jennifer and ed at the Awkward. start of the week she barged awkward, right yeah. in, didn't she? Um, it was funny because her small talk was, um, um, it's the first time I've seen your sheep up close. Yes. I used to <laughs> pretend to be a farmer when I was a little girl because we had the money to turn your entire livelihood into a little game for a child. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, you know, he was very surprised to see her, wasn't he? I think. <laughs> um, and said she wanted to talk about Alice because she's addicted to alcohol. And I liked when Ed went, well, people have been saying that for a while. Mm. But there was no reaction to that comment from Jennifer. And and then she kicked straight into, I'm desperate. I am desperate. I know you've had problems with addiction in the past. And he, he sort of went, you what? <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, he didn't like that at all, did he? No. But, but soon felt, not sorry for her, but some sympathy for her i mean she did say imagine if it was kira what would you be doing yeah i felt like it was it was almost like a scene from a western where you go to try and hire the old grizzled gunslinger and he's like no i just work with sheep now and then you tell him what the bounty is and he just goes you better spits on the floor and goes, you better come inside he's, this, he's the outlaw of josie wales isn't he yeah what a what a wonderful movie that is by the it's, way yeah that's absolutely apart Apart from a few scenes, it's yeah. It I'm 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 worried about watching it. There might be a, a few bits of dated quite badly, but mm. you know. Another favourite bit was where she went. Um, you can actually get crack cocaine in Ambridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and what he was, was like, that? "Yeah, I can get said? you some now if you like, love." Yeah, I could one phone call. I could get a delivery by tea time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it might not be crack cocaine. It might be pizza on Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I mean, that is sorry to be sort of tedious and serious, mm. but that is that's definitely a plot line they haven't really, you know, like what's it called the um, the county line gangs. Mm. That's something that definitely should have crashed into the Ambridge kind of plot lines by now. 
is how you know gangs are you know are actually getting their tentacles sort of like you know to, to snake into some of these kind of smaller mm. more sort of distant surprising communities by all accounts it seemed to be that the thing that turned ed onto crack was being in a caravan on his own i have never intentionally had a hiatus from the archers but every now and again life intervenes you go on a long holiday or something i feel like ed's descent into homelessness and crack addiction might have just been a two-week holiday for me I mean, because I because I, I was listening to his description. I know I listened before, and I know I listened after. So, what what happened? I thought the whole of that episode was him. It was it was also. I mean, obviously, the thing there is this thing with Alice, and yeah, it was a useful chat with Jennifer. But I thought there was they did kind of kill two birds with one stone. Basically, said, oh, by the way, this guy Ed. If you don't know, this is what happened to him, and that's mm. his relationship with Emma and Will. And I felt that they used it for that. Yeah, I definitely remember it happening. And I have no idea how long it went on for. They've managed to drag us through several months of agony for uh, um, Alice being a functioning, then then malfunctioning, then alcoholic um, mm. uh, sort of person, you know, like character in the village. And Ed Grundy, bigger character maybe, is homeless, has crack addiction, and mm. that managed to be dealt with in a few weeks. Now, I know it's new <laughs> staff on the show, but I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's all a bit unequal. Yeah, Alice is getting far too much attention. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As a storyline, yeah. Well, he he mentioned that to Jazza behind Jennifer's back later because Jazza said, well, you couldn't really tell her what you really think, that she's spoiled. Selfish brat. Yeah. Um, mm. That seems weird as well because it just doesn't ring true to me that Ed wouldn't have a Fallon-style compassion. Oh, he, was, he was very prickly, wasn't he, at first? Um, and, yeah, I think what what seemed to be an informative and a shoulder to cry on kind of thing was also him holding back as we heard later with Jazza. Mm. But he did plant that seed where he said to her, I'd be dead if it wasn't for Oliver. And that reared its head at the culmination of uh, yeah. this week's episode. He said he nearly died and he needed that wake up call. And I thought, Oh, when I heard that, I was like, Oh, is that another portentous thing? Meaning that Alice is going to have to reach such a low point before she realizes well then that ties into jenny's that ties into jenny's comment at the end doesn't it where she says she's worried about alice dying yeah mm. yeah was that what you were saying sorry yeah yeah i think he he he, he put that thought in her head mm. and i think even w w it remains to be seen how um genuine alice is about it i wasn't yeah. entirely convinced it can't, be, it can't carry on it just can't they must have a sense of the patient i'm going on about it again they yeah, can't but it's, it keep was, it going. It was far too easy for her to sort of stomp off upstairs and we were all, oh, she's not going to do it, and then come back and go, oh, I've, I've got a pen. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've even brought my own pen. Yeah. Um, and, and I was just thinking about another thing Ed was saying to Jennifer was, um, yeah, I don't get it about Alice either. She's got a rich family, great husband, cottage, everything on a plate. How he said that was like, again, a bit resentful about... She's got no reason to be as messed up as I was. We don't need idiots to have their voices sort of read out on the mm. arches. Like those, those people, right? You know, if someone can't work out that alcoholism is a disease that, mm -hmm. um, you know, trans transcends um, class, heritage, you know, whatever, all the different boundaries, if you can't work that out, then that's, you've got bigger problems than yeah. needing the, you know, than leaning on this um, soap opera for your, uh, you know, like your um, uh, life lessons. So it, it, that irritated me, actually. It was kind of, it was like, you don't, you know, to the, this, this, this is a message to the script writers, don't patronize us with that nonsense. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to be told about how, uh, you know, that, you know, oh my god you know it's it doesn't just affect poor people yeah but but i think it, it showed what drives ed's resentment towards alice really. oh okay all right apology to the script writers okay. i didn't understand yeah <laughs> that was what i meant yeah by that um yeah poor jennifer she was you know she is desperate isn't she and when fallon mentioned the rehab to that was to brian wasn't it yeah because she had to clarify the difference we was like well that holiday in bath and she's like no that was <laughs> detox yeah that wasn't rehab if it was detox and it wasn't kind of like a full um 
uh, sort of like intervention of sort of going to you know whatever the other thing's called, then why did she make this friend Castle? That was Helen's friend. This you know this person on the phone who she talks to, who's who's like her kind of um, AA buddy. Did that not come up? Did she not come up when she had the baby though? Was it not to do with that? No, she was. She was no, because she's she she'd been a former drinker herself. So she was talking to Alice about. So it didn't feel like a detox. You don't go to detox and be sort of, told, you know, it's like, oh, by the way, you know, you're here to you're here to clear your colon out. But oh, if you want to, uh, to form a friend for life who's got similar substance abuse problems, then pop into you know, pop into room number fifteen. I, I think Kerry might be right. I think she was a, pro- a product of the of like postnatal, wasn't she? Yeah. Was she? Okay. So when Alice, after having had the baby, was going all wobbly and wanting drink it was to do i think she hooked up with that person then it wasn't to do with when she went to bath so am i just getting everything wrong no i don't think it was amazingly explained explained peter i think that you know she just suddenly started having a conversation with this person okay. on the phone. Mm, mm. um and maybe she Her mentioned him yeah, yeah i think she mentioned it in passing who she was i i thought that when she went stormed upstairs, she was going to put on the silver dress and head out to the place she'd had her thirtieth in, and <laughs> bump into the rest of them, and there was going to be some horrible scene. That would have you been know. good. It would have been great, wouldn't it? Mm. I think maybe she, you know, it was it was too easy, and I think you know on Twitter people were saying she's just placating them possibly, uh, and will do something, do it her own way. You know, either sort of pretend she's going and not go or just not go at all because she'll go off the rails tomorrow. Well, so long as they go to the Kerry Warby script writing school <laughs> and learn how to do it through, you know, third party sort of like <gasps> spoon fed information, the drip fed mm. information, then I'm, I'm fine. And the, I mean, Jennifer and Peggy, awkward. I mean, it was it was a um, let's go for a big old cliche. It was a slow motion car crash, wasn't it? You saw everything coming. You knew what was happening. It was agonizing. And Peggy's complete, complete inability to sort of um, sugarcoat what she was saying or to try and or to try and pick up on her own daughter's obvious discomfort and, and hurt and upset. She's like, you know, just so resolute. And it, I've always I've never been on Peggy's side when she's been kind of like, you know, emotionally abusing her children but i've always kind of like i've vaguely understood her kind of um motivations whereas here i just didn't understand it's you know this is her her, her great she's throwing two two closer generations of her family under the bus to protect a a great granddaughter who you know who is reliant on these on these you know on the um in between generations it's mental although she does feel a little guilty about the telling Chris to do that, doesn't she? Even though she's she's uh, the good word that you used, resolute. She's shown hints of feeling a bit bad about being so determined for him to take Martha away. I thought yeah. at some points, but yeah, with Jennifer, she was brutal, wasn't she? When, when Jennifer yeah. said, "Oh, you know, due to a suggestion by Fallon, Brian and I have researched proper residential treatment," and Peggy just went, "Oh." Are you sure? <laughs> she won't be enthusiastic about that idea. Yeah, she didn't really entertain Jennifer's angle at all. They uh, built it up as well, didn't they? Because Jennifer was like, well, you know, Mum, family, you never give up, give up on each other, never give up on your own mm-hmm. family. And, you know, Peggy's like, oh, well, I, I told Chris to bugger off. Yeah, she said, I wish <laughs> I had. Yeah. Yeah, given up family, should never give up on family. And we're back to Fallon again because Fallon, Fallon was is able to see how her father is, you know, how two mm. different versions of her father can live in the same body. He can be a good ex-husband. He can be a warm and affectionate man, despite letting down his, you know, his ex-wife and his daughter in the past. And you know, Peggy's Peggy's lack of imagination that maybe her boozing uh, publican um you know patriarchal sort of husband who's kind of like you know cock of the walk in a village owning a pub in a you know in a in a time when when you know when the relationship between a man and a woman is very very different and is a lot more difficult for you know a woman to sort of seek that kind of help mm. that's not necessarily useful or comparable to a useful comparison to draw with her granddaughter yeah. It's meant, it's, that, she, that she can't see past this experience she's had now if they wrote it as a kind of ptsd plot where you know 
um, Peggy is you could see that you could see that sort of the the, the scars in her that prevent mm. her sort of moving past that but because it's written in the way that it's just Peggy being you know resolute as I said earlier um, then it, it doesn't sort of come across that way I mean, it, are they writing it that way are we supposed to sort of see Peggy as the kind of the battered victim unable to put down her sort of pain yeah that is a good one isn't it I, I was wondering about that she could have done all the things she's done um, by you know counselling Chris and saying, look, it may come to the point where you do need to take Martha away from the situation totally. That's almost fair enough to have that conversation. What isn't right really is that it's taken from January to May to reveal it to Jennifer. You know, why couldn't she have told her in March perhaps or <laughs> a bit earlier on? She, her hand has been forced now. That's the bit I don't understand, why she's kept hold of that information for this long. Maybe she kept kept sending a series of video messages to Tom and Tom was just <laughs> sitting on them because he was shit scared what was in it. Well, Tom's got a kind of Smithsonian-sized library of kind of hate tapes that Peggy's been kind of sending him about all the, all the people on her shit list. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> your veg boxes are absolute gash. <laughs> um, and she, I mean, she, there was one time she tried to tell Jennifer, wasn't there? Not that long ago when Jennifer went, oh, there's Alice. It was on the telephone um, and sort of hung up on Peggy just as she was about to say, oh, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. Yeah. Oh. Three riddles do I have. One, <laughs> two, three. But it's it's <laughs> completely fair what she said to Chris, but there's one thing missing. Alice should have been in the room. It's not that difficult. Sit them down and say, Alice, I've observed you've got a drinking problem. No, no, dear. Don't say anything. You have got a drinking problem. I know what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, you're putting Chris in a difficult situation because he's going to have to make this choice if you keep on if you keep on making his life awkward. That's all she had to do. I mean, she's got the courage to confront people. That's not something she lacks. Yeah. So the, the, it's just so it's just it's just weird that she would have done it that way. Mm hmm. I think so. I, I mean, Jennifer's gone off on one, hasn't she? And said, um, I don't see how I will ever be able to forgive you. Are we going to have um, Tony and Jennifer together airing, you know, finally kind of like, you know, sort of sharing grievances and, and yeah. sort of ganging up on Peggy? Well, I mean, she said that she told Lillian and Lillian was outraged as well. So, I mean, is Tony maybe going to have to come to come into bat for Peggy? against Lillian and Jennifer because I thought Jennifer I can understand she was a little bit upset um well more than upset but you know do you not think that she was just lashing out a little bit too much here and if I know it's you know again it's a soap opera but mm. if you were in that situation and your daughter was in um a new mother struggling with alcoholism and you're what is Peggy in her nineties? Are we imagining the character is mm. in their late nineties? Tells you, yeah, I handed her a gin and tonic at New Year's Eve, and I thought she looked a little bit strange. And I, I told Chris, I think she's an alcoholic. At that point, are you going to start a fight with your mother about that, or are you going to listen a little bit more? Yeah, I see your point. Because then she, you know, I like there was that little bit where I thought Peggy's real kind of like you know, the gangster glasses coming down, and she was like. Alice would have not gone off the rails or would have stayed mm. on the rails. And I think she said, well, she, I think she's off the rails, to be honest, Jennifer. <laughs> I think my reaction earlier on was very much the, um, no matter how old you get as a parent, you probably, it's kind of on you to be looking out for, you know, your children. And if Jennifer's there, obviously wildly distracted by the hurt that she's experiencing and her, her you know, terrible concern for her daughter, she probably doesn't have the emotional wherewithal to be looking out for you know your sense to you know it's it's, her, it's Peggy's job as the mm. person with less stress and also as her mother to be the be the you know the, the carer so the start of the episode on Monday is going to be Jennifer ringing Peggy going ha ha she's going to rehab told you <laughs> <laughs> but some of the actors the older actors have passed away on the job and then they've they've sort of tidied things up afterwards maybe with Peggy June wants to retire you know Mm -hmm. under her own steam and this could be some fantastic plot which i'd love which is peggy carks it um sort of distance from all her children 
you know, Tony's got his grievances. Lillian and Jenny have, you know, lost uh, lost their temper with her. Then she dies suddenly, and they're all left kind of like, you know, picking through. Rather than doing the easy thing, which would be some sunny, everyone's there on Lakey Hill sharing stories about how great she is, they're all kind of like, you know, like riddled with guilt. It can be, it can be wonderful. Oh, yeah, that's good. It's her birthday on Monday, June Spencer. Um, she's going to be 102 on the 14th of June. Well, happy birthday, June, despite my t- dislike of some of Peggy's... Um, uh, um, actions. I think you know she does. And, a and wishing job. that your character dies lonely, with none of her <laughs> children around her. But June's June's an actor, isn't she? She would surely love this challenge. Yeah. Go out as the haters. Go out as this hated. You know her with a psychotic cat. You know, dying alone. Kate comes home in her you know yoga pants, and there's Peggy, <laughs> surrounded by smashed up Tony's trains. Yeah. How yeah. how will she go? Do you think? Oh, like um, like Billy Whitelaw in The Omen, down the front of the building on a noose. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Martha. And then she just jumps out the window at the front. That's the nanny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's that's one hell of a scene. Ah, great. That's such a good movie. <laughs> it's all for you, Tony. It's all for you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who will she have left all her money to? That would be funny if it was someone really weird. Uh, um, who was it? It was um, Jerry Lewis. I was reading about Jerry Lewis a couple of days. Disinherited all of his kids from his first marriage. It's like it's a remarkable act of shitbaggery to disinherit your children. God. Anyway, but yeah, so maybe well, you know this 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 could be that. But that actually, definitely, that's a really good point. Who, yeah. who, who said that? Was it you, Kerry? Who, that's yeah, that's that's a fantastic one, isn't it? Like who who? It, there's definitely going to be a sting in the tail with that will, isn't there? That would be good, wouldn't it? Sod you all! I've given all my money to joy. Oh, oh, there we go. That's yeah. I'm the happiest man. The, yeah, the Joy and Vince Casey um, um, Meat Foundation or something. Or... <laughs> meat Foundation. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I, yeah, all kinds of terrible jokes went through my head then, and I discounted them all for the sake of you know everyone's. Well hey, has but... Peggy has Peggy even met Joy? By the way, yeah. Yes, because they she hated Joy. She and then she and then she slowly sort of came round to her. I must have blanked that out. Yeah, wasn't it to do with the cat? Some sort of cat nonsense. Because oh, she can yeah. talk to cats, Joy, obviously. Yes, that was it. Yes. Peggy Peggy lost uh, whatever the cat's called and had hated Joy, had basically despised Joy coming around. And then Joy was the person who put in the effort and took it seriously. Of course. Sorry, yeah. Everyone else didn't take the cat going missing seriously because it was so despicable. But Joy actually rolled up her sleeves and, and got it done. And that's the reason she'll inherit all of her money. <laughs> and all, uh, yeah. Or, or, you know, she'll do one of those, yeah, you know, people often leave all their money to the cat, don't they? Hilda, Hilda Ogden. I hope that uh, June does get to participate in all of this, that, you know, she th- this mm. is all planned and she's part of the decision-making process so that she can have a good, uh, proper farewell. There was that woman in England that left all her money to her cat and said that when the cat dies, it can then go to her kids and then gave the cat to her kids. I was like, I don't think that cat's got long. You're going to kill the cat, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Would you would you give it a last meal, Kerry? Would you give it a, you know at least give it a nice a nice week, or would it just be you know in a sack nope. in the river? Yeah, rocks in the sea. Oh, blimey! I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm I don't like the way this is going. <laughs> we've just killed we've killed Peggy and a cat now. What if what if we ever get Joe Rogan money? You think that Kerry might come for us, Matthew? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm still worried about the fact that we're going to be arguing over who who had the naming rights for um, dark horniness. <laughs> but where was dark horniness from? You said it from it, your Peter. brain last week, yeah. Peter. Oh, okay. I couldn't really. Yeah. It was the dark horniness of Mia. Ah, oh, right. I have to fully etch a sketch my brain after doing the edit. I just, you know, I just give my head a good old shake and get all this shite out of it out. Mm. Uh, it's a, it's a joy to do, but four or five hours of listening to my voice, and is is torture. No, it isn't. Yeah, no, I, well, no one can masturbate for that long, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, what a beautiful picture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that enough? Is that enough waffle for this week? I think we've we've covered a lot, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we didn't really do Brian. True. Oh, I'd love we, to do we, Brian. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. Quite, we gave, we mentioned him in passing, didn't we? Yeah, he actually said sorry 
Uh, I think that's worth a mention properly, isn't it? How he sort of said, thank you. I'm really grateful. I owe you an apology. Sh shouting my mouth off before knowing the facts. Right off the back of being a dick to Jazzer and Neil, though. Look, he's got things on his mind. His daughter's in a mess. And even Neil said, um, we've got to cut him some slack or give him make some allowances. He's not usually that bad. Yeah, but he, he was... He was in peculiarly Bryony form this week. Just every single, uh, you know, it's natural, isn't it? He's very stressed about his little girl. Mm. He he doesn't have um, Fallon or Jenny's sort of ease of dealing with other people or with these things, and so he was a it was a, he was an absolute monster to to Neil. Although uh, Kerry and I were talking, uh, Matthew, during uh, earlier on during the technical problems about the fact that uh, uh, um, Neil basically told him to go f himself in a way that only neil could what was that what was how was it he said it kerry well it was about jazza wasn't it when he was going oh what what are we what is this costing us that jazza is here and neil said something like um well it seems quite sensible to have him up here learning how to do things before he starts on the job don't you think brian and if you want to read between the lines there brian you'll see i've just told you to go shove it up your great big tweed covered ass yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I said a couple of weeks ago that Neil had um, Neil had Brian on strings, and he did, mm. didn't he? In that whole thing, like he was just totally unfazed. Yeah, I mean, compared to how Neil, I know it's a different situation, but how Neil was when he thought he was going to have to um, talk about Philip's work at BL, and like Brian had to calm Neil down. Neil was just totally in charge of all of this. Yeah, I, th I thought it might have um, got you going, Kerry, when. Uh, Brian said, attention to detail is how you maximise fertility. Yes, I've highlighted that on my piece of paper I from Tuesday's episode. <laughs> yeah. Kerry's dream journal is busting with uh, notes about Brian Aldridge. He would know how to maximise fertility of all people, wouldn't he? Um, I, I, and he did have a go at Fallon, who we adore, but, you know, Fallon had just said she was taking Alice to the pub. You're going to sort of think that's a bit weird, aren't you, without really knowing what's going on kerry i very very rarely disagree with you well publicly anyway but i do feel like you hear a different version to brian to the rest of us <laughs> i i i think he just sounded like a bit of a dick this week yeah he said what do you think you're playing at you're taking my alcoholic daughter to the pub yeah but you but you were sort of already starting to sort of suggest or oh, you could see why he might be in a bit you know it might be a bit awkward yeah. just you know uh, he, he really blew his lid when yeah. Fallon, you're going to the pub with Fallon. What do you think you're playing at? If Fallon was an if Fallon was a niece or a cousin or you know like a family member, it might be forgivable. But Fallon's got f all to do with their with their family. She I mean, quickly put him right, didn't she? She said, "You've got this all wrong." And he said, "That whole conversation, right, yeah." I mean, that whole conversation with Alice and Brian at the beginning, she was like, "Are you keeping an eye on me?" He's like, "No." Are you sure? Mm. And then he said, "Um." What do we think he's doing when he says, I've been looking at some Barrow Farm figures? I imagine he had like some back issues of a, a magazine that he's made himself of every secretary that's ever worked there. The figures of Barrow Farm. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, who cares? Good, good for him. You're on a hiding to nothing there, Pia. Yeah. And I like Brian. No, I, I, yeah, exactly. And, going, and I'd be, I would be a hypocrite after my multiple rants today about the kind of archers I like. Brian is very much the kind of archers I like. You know, he, mm -hmm. he is. Uh, a, a, week of, a week of Brian monologues would be absolutely fine. But I really enjoyed that one where he was toddling around the village with the pram. Yes. I liked it in this week's as well, where he was tucking into dinner again. He was going, oh, come on, Jennifer. It's bloody yeah, lovely. Incredible in city. Yeah. And she was like, my appetite has just gone, Brian. How could you? Jenny, that Chateaubriand won't eat itself. Come on, get stuck in it. <laughs> I know our alcoholic daughter has just stormed up to her bedroom at the suggestion of <laughs> rehab that's tearing <laughs> the problem that's tearing her life apart, but just think of it as fuel. Yeah, could you pass the gravy? Come on. Yeah, I, I just love it. how he's written, how he's acted. When Jennifer was crying on Fallon's doorstep, like, oh, I don't know what to do. And by the way, Brian said, here's another order for some pulled pork. Yeah, they've taken ages to pay Fallon. And even that, she was like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry. She doesn't want to pay, does she? She got out of it again. Always turn the waterworks on. Oh, yeah, is that what she was doing? Yeah. I thought that was quite good, though, because it just showed you how much Jenny Jenny's 
part of Jenny's sort of brand in the show is that she's, you know, attention to detail woman. She, you know, she does mm. a perfect blog and her cakes are the best. And even Fallon acknowledged that she, you know, her cupcakes are sort of like, you know, par exemplar or whatever. But, you know, she, you know, the, the, she's not just, she's not just sort of uh, starting to sort of uh, be a bit wobbly in her voice. Like uh, she is starting mm. to show the cracks. And I thought that was quite a good way of subtly hinting at it. Yeah, Jenny she... would not forget something like that. She's breaking down in front of people, isn't she? Um, exactly, yeah. It's and a bit, and it's sort a of bit begging to Ed for help. And it's all rather pathetic, isn't it? It's, yeah, up, it's uh, like an upper class version of when Emma did her pity tour of the village. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. awful, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. And it is, and it is, you know, it is, uh, it is, it is almost comparable. And actually, how fortunate is it that Brian and Jennifer can afford 30 grand just like that or whatever it's going to be for a month in rehab? I, I thought they were going to ask Peggy to shell out for that. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't. I mean, that that might be. That would be an interesting plot twist if, um, you know, Jennifer says, look, I'm still angry with you. I don't have... I don't necessarily have the room to forgive you, but if you actually do want to contribute, here's a way. So, I mean, Peter, let's imagine you live in Ambridge. You, yeah. you're, rent, you're renting, but um, you've, you've saved um, a good bit for a deposit on the house. And two years ago, Emma comes and knocks on your door and asks for your help. What do you do? So I'm Jim, am I? No, you're you. Um, well, I, I, think, I think I would... I think if I had the money, I would have given Emma a loan... But I don't mm. think it. But I, I was asked to. I was asked by a friend to lend them some money years ago, and I had the money. Like I had, I had all the money they needed, and I could have lent it to them without it causing me any particular hardship. But then I remembered the maxim. I can't remember who told me. It might be my dad. Might be someone else. You know, like you know, only lend what you can afford to lose. And so I did some back of the envelope math, and it was like, okay, I can afford to lose this much. So I lent them that much. So I think that's what I would do. I would say, to, I'd say to Emma, look, I can afford to lose this much. Here it is. Okay, I thought you being you, you were just going to say I was going to give Emma my bank card and that's it. Oh, well, I mean, so I was, I, I am, I am, a, I am a very sort of, sort of straightforward and credulous person. So when you asked me the question, I just took it very seriously. Like that's, ah, that's, no, that's what I would do. Not. Okay, no, fine. <laughs> okay, so you want the bullshit answer? All right, yeah. it's Emma. So um, uh, I, the whole reason I'm in the village is to stalk her, separate her from Ed. You'd say moving with me, love. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, okay. Do you know what prostitution is, Emma? You're about to find out. You can afford that um, that house, but you might have to do some uh, very unpleasant things to <laughs> make it happen. Um, so, okay, I think have I? I've shown both sides of my personality: sensitive and caring side, and yeah, also I'm, the I'm... deep, dark, and polluted side. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I prefer most. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the economist or the pimp? Yeah, pimp, P, Peter the pimp. That's your second novel, Peter. After pimp, dark pimp thickly. And when my when my darling wife listens to this, I would like to point out that this is you know I, I one I answered under duress and two it's a fictional answer about a fictional person in a fictional village. So this is a, you know this is not like the mm. the you know the um, the joke about you know the um, you can have your hall pass sexual fancy and then you mention the person's sister or something. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> like, nothing dreadful like that. I'm sure that your lovely wife will not be shocked or surprised by your answer to be honest well i mean you would think by now that the full horror has um, dawned on her or yeah, you or you yeah. could just edit it out i'm not gonna though i'm too good, lazy good. yeah um so that must be enough waffle now surely yeah it is yeah. for an hour okay guys we we promised that we were going to make more effort to sort of um uh, do some more promotion uh, our numbers have been going up steadily, and I think I sent um, Kerry and Matthew a whole sort of like a, a sort of an array of screenshots of all of the metrics for um, uh, the, how the podcast is doing, and it's still doing very nicely. But the kind of the the curve as it was it was sort of climbing as a, a kind of Matterhorn angle, and it's now kind of like maybe it's a bit more Snowden or kind of like a, you know a Chilton Hill in terms of the kind of like the steepness. So we want to get it back to that kind of alpine alpine um, alpine style sort of steepness. Um, and as I was saying earlier, if you could just think of people who are outside of our kind of Twitter bubble, outside of our little world, when Matthew went on his, um, uh, went on Radio 5 Live, that did wonders for our numbers. So we're going to be producing some sort of um, adverts for Susie coming on the show. We're going to be producing some silly little memes that we'll put out with the show. If you could forward those to people who might just be, you know, have a, you want to give want to give the podcast a go, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Twitter is Kerry. It is at the Cider Shed Pod. And Facebook, Matthew. The Cider Shed Podcast. 
And as, as we said earlier on, Susie's coming on. I'm incredibly excited. Me too. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit too excited. Let's see how we go. <laughs> but it, it's great. It's great. And I actually, actually, so far, so far, we've kind of hidden behind the mask of, yeah, we're just uh, three, three friends who get together and talk shite. But we might actually have to take this seriously and do some proper preparation. I mean, this is this is where we are now. I don't think we should take it seriously because Susie is very funny and I know what you meant, but yeah, a little bit of prep, but no seriousness will be happening. I can guarantee. I'm hoping just to chat cricket. Okay. Oh, that's a, yes. Yes. Okay. Mm. Let's get that note down. Definitely. We need to find out um, about, um, about whether Susie, because I, I mean, obviously, obviously we don't want to be one of those, those, those idiots who haven't quite worked out that acting is actually pretending to be someone else, but you know, you do want to definitely want to find out where does Tracy end and Susie begin. Yeah, I definitely want to ask her to not have so many arguments with Jazza or what she feels about the Aggie side of their relationship. Ed, Ed brought that up, didn't he? He said, you and yeah. Tracy disagree about everything. Yep. He said, no, we don't. He said mm. that the only thing, and then he said Jade liked bikes, and he went, yeah, well, that was the only thing we did like, we did have in common. So well, I like I've got that. some strong feelings about that. I'm going to save it for our chat with Susie, but I, I, yeah, I, think, I, think, I, did, I think I fundamentally disagree with you two on that one, which is quite unusual, really. Mm. But, but we'll see what happens. Okay, good. It is a bit difficult to sort of uh, get revved up when you've had a sort of um, forty-five minutes of. Um, uh, is it plugged in? Isn't it plugged in? It's worse for. The, it's always worse for the person who's, who's actually, uh, you know, at the receiving end of all of that. So poor yeah. Matthew. But actually, given our slightly uh, wonky start, this has been one of the most fun ones for me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, they're equally fun for me. Yeah, yeah, like all your children, blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I felt like I was walking a tightrope through it because I was like, please don't stop working halfway through. Oh no! Um, yeah, don't it's, worry. it's really it really sucks when it's your it's when it's your your equipment letting you down. Yeah, for those that don't know, it's utterly mystifying. But the microphone just refused to play ball. Um, but it did play ball in the end. It's it's actually easier when you've just been stupid. Because then you know it's sorted. Yeah, well, I thought I had been stupid at first, <laughs> but um, apparently not. Well, I was stupid, actually. I was stupid, and then I was clever, and then <laughs> I was slightly less stupid, if that makes sense. Yeah. doesn't make sense to me. You now sound stupid, if that's yeah, any help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And with Kerry's biting words ringing in my ears, I'll, <laughs> I'll say goodbye and thank you. Goodbye. See you next week. See you. Bye.